Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. By now, everybody's heard of the masterpiece Cake Shop Case and how issues of coercion may be used against Christians who have objections to same-sex marriage. There's another very interesting case that uh, we're waiting for a decision in the Arizona Supreme Court. And here to discuss it is Attorney Kate Anderson, Senior Counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom in Scottsdale, Arizona. Kate. Thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thanks for having me on the show. So what's the name of this case and what's the uh, what's the issue here in this case? So this case is Brushingand Studios versus the City of Phoenix. And um, our clients are Joanna Duca and Brianna Cocky, who are two young artists, one's a calligrapher and one's a hand painter. And they create custom artwork for weddings and special occasions. Phoenix has a sweeping law in place that would threaten them with jail time and thousands of dollars in fines if decline or refer a project that would force them to promote messages that violate their conscience. In this case, it would be same-sex marriage, promoting same-sex marriage uh, because these two women are Christians and believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. But if they don't want to promote another vision of marriage, then they can face jail time in Phoenix. Well... Is this Phoenix statute just kind of a generic public accommodations law that you can't discriminate in providing services on on all the usual bases, or is it somehow more onerous than that? Both. It is uh, coming under their non-discrimination public accommodation law, but it's the way Phoenix interprets that law that makes it so problematic. They're interpreting that law to apply to businesses who serve everybody serve everyone in the LGBT community, serve everyone regardless of marital status um, or any other characteristics. But if that business can't promote a message that we're talking speech here, um, that would violate their conscience. Phoenix says that comes under the law if that message touches on a protected classification. Okay, so hence um, same-sex marriage obviously touching on the protected classification of sexual orientation. And so that's how Phoenix is saying if you can provide services to gays, but if you aren't willing to provide them to gays in the context of a same-sex wedding, uh, then that's discriminatory, right? Correct. They also have as part of their law what we call a publication ban. So it's language in the law that says that if the business says something that would make a person feel unwelcome, objected to, um, there's a couple of other words along those lines in the statute, um, then that can be a separate violation of the law. Um, so, for instance, putting out your religious beliefs about marriage as between one man and one woman could make people in the LGBT community feel unwelcome and therefore be a separate violation of the law. And the law is written so that every day and every violation that's not corrected is another up to six months in jail and another up to $2,500 fine. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'll be honest. I have not been a fan of the litigation strategy over the years that tries to make religion cases into free speech cases. But I really, in this case, I really see this as a free speech case. 
I was not convinced that, you know, what Jack Phillips would do in producing a cake necessarily was a, it was not a great free speech argument in, in my opinion, humble or otherwise. But, you know, here, I mean, anything that you might say that would make somebody feel unwelcome, well, there's a category in constitutional law that our listeners may not be familiar with about being unconstitutionally vague. Um, I could think of a thousand things that I could say in an ad that somebody somewhere might feel unwelcome, and how do I know what's okay and what's not okay? That's why... You know, the courts say you can't just put these broad, vague sorts of prohibitions on speech, right? Absolutely. And we're seeing laws like that crop up in a number of municipalities around the country, and we are challenging them in cases in those jurisdictions on that basis, uh, as well as other free speech as applied um, type arguments that as those statutes are being applied to our client's particular speech, that that violates the Constitution. Now, if I understand what's happening with this case, Russian Nib Studios has not actually been charged with violating the statute. They're attacking the statute uh, kind of in advance before they get into trouble. Is that right? Correct. And that's something that has been a hallmark of all civil rights litigation. They looked at the law. They looked at their business. They looked at the way that Phoenix was announcing that it would apply this law and realized that they're risking jail time if they just move forward in their business according to their conscience, creating the speech that they want to create, uh, and don't get clarity from the court. So they went to court affirmatively to ask for clarification as to how this law can be constitutionally applied and to protect their rights to create the speech in accord with their religious beliefs. Well, and, you know, always trying to educate our listeners on these subjects, you know, there are challenges. When you bring a constitutional challenge to a law like this, there's two different ways to do it. You can bring what's called a facial challenge. The language of the law on its face violates the Constitution. You don't have to look at how the law is applied. And then, of course, in a case like Masterpiece Cake Shop, it really was applied to Jack Phillips, and you look at not just the law on its face, but the application as applied. Here, uh, it sounds like we're really primarily looking at the facial challenge to the law of being vague and as otherwise violating the free speech rights and, and probably religious freedom also of the artists, right? Well, it's really both because um, we're we're looking at how the law would be applied to their particular business, which is more of the as applied challenge of how does this impact their particular business, but on the um, unwelcome, objected to language, those kinds of vagueness issues with the case, um, those are more of a facial claim. So you're up in the state Supreme Court now, which means that the case has been in the lower courts. How have the lower courts handled this? Have they been receptive or did they rule against? Nothing, uh, the lower courts have but, ruled against us. They have upheld Phoenix's position that they can punish these women with jail time and fine for creating speech in accord with their beliefs. Um, but we're very hopeful at the Supreme Court. There's some clear First Amendment precedent in this state, as well as the federal level, that is very clear that people cannot be compelled by the government to seek messages that the government wants if those um, messages are something that the person objects to. And that's exactly what's going on here. 
Um, we had oral arguments in the Supreme Court here in Arizona just about a month ago. And so we're awaiting that decision, but we were very hopeful with the questions that were asked. All of the justices seemed zeroed in on the speech issues and whether that was being compelled and how that applies constitutionally. Well, you know, I'm always very cautious about suing a city in the state court because we do find that, you know, you get hometowns, as it were. Uh, you know, the state courts tend to be receptive to the claims of, of cities and uh, of other government entities, state entities. And so it's not till you get up on appeal sometimes, uh, in this case, to the, the highest court in the state that uh, that you really get a fair hearing from these courts. And yet, I think the reason that this case we were talking before the show, the reason this case was filed in the state court, is Arizona actually has some pretty good state law, does it not? Yes. It has both in the state constitution. There are protections that are arguably more protective than the federal counterparts, so more protective on free speech, more protective on freedom of religion. Uh, but there is also a state RIFRA called FARA here, which is a state law that provides added protection for religious freedom. And since both of those issues are at play here, the free speech and the freedom of religion, we thought the state law um, was helpful in interpreting this city ordinance under the state law. Well, and, you know, the Elaine photography case in New Mexico was brought under the New Mexico Religious Freedom Statute, which is pretty much identical to the Arizona one. you know, if I can toot my own horn for just a moment, uh, I had a hand in drafting and pushing enactment both of the Arizona and New Mexico bills back in the day. And back at a time when the civil rights community was still willing to support religious freedom, you had a coalition of the left and the right. Um, you know, groups like the ACLU were on board in promoting and uh, and we were able to get some of these state bills passed. But of course, the politics of this has changed dramatically in that time. But I certainly wish you the best as far as having the Arizona RIFRA given more teeth here in Arizona than, uh, you know, than the New Mexico courts were willing to do with their own religious freedom bill, which uh, the, the New Mexico was unwilling to see you know, to rule for Elaine photography there under that statute when they refused to provide services for a same-sex ceremony. Um, what happens if what happens if you lose? Well, they cannot violate their conscience. Um, it would be horrible if they had to go out of business, but I think that's certainly on the table. Um, wedding artwork is a significant portion of what they do. Um, everything from invitations to signs to writing out wedding vows. Um, and they can't do that in a way that's going to violate their beliefs. Um, and so we're just hoping that the court um, sees their way through this. I think you mentioned before the free speech issues at play here are extremely strong. We have state court cases that have found that pictures and words are speech, which should be sort of obvious to everybody, but uh, wasn't so obvious to the court in Elaine Photography. Uh, but here we have case law that specifically has found that these things are speech and deserve protection um, under the state constitution. And so we think that that helps us here. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I know I've talked to photographer friends and asked them, well, is this just a business or is this art? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they're pretty clear. <laughs> 
that, uh, you know, wedding photography is an art form. It's not just a business. So, um, there are a lot of states that have found that photography is art and is recognized as speech. That was one of the problems. I think there's a lot of problems with the Elaine photography decision, but that was one of the problems there is that they didn't go far enough to find that speech. But they did say even in that case in a footnote that if there were words at play, that that would likely be a different analysis, which is what we have in this case. Well, and it's it's so interesting that the way the law has developed, it seems that speech claims are somehow stronger, better protected than religion claims. Is that your perception, at least in this context? Yes, but I'm hopeful that it's changing with decisions like Masterpiece Cake Shop from the Supreme Court last term, uh, where there were speech issues at play, um, but the court didn't reach them because they thought that the free exercise, freedom of religion issues were so strong. And there you have the Supreme Court in Colorado. You cannot act with hostility towards religious beliefs. People um, of faith backgrounds deserve neutrality when it comes to the applications of the law, and you have to act um, in a way that's neutral towards religion when you're acting as a government actor. And so I think we're seeing some stronger cases come out now, and I'm hopeful that there'll be more of them um, in that vein. Tell us the name of the case again as we close. It's Brescia Nib Studios versus the City of Phoenix. So it is definitely one to watch, and people can get more information on our website about the cases that proceed through, and we wait for that decision. Thank you so much. Our guest today is Senior Legal Counsel Kate Anderson with Alliance Defending Freedom. This has been Freedom's Ring. As we close, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination, especially at the workplace. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. You can listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rana. Until next week, let Freedom Ring.